Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. We obviously are just uh, doing something a little unique this evening. We're both up here to uh, just share some some thoughts. Uh, we're not going to take a long, long time, uh, but we just... We're just glad to be here celebrating with all of you and celebrating with our Bethel Austin family and uh, celebrating Jesus together at this, this very significant time of year. So we love you guys, and uh, we're, we're just glad to get to do this together. Amen? Amen. And, uh, you know, my favorite, my favorite tagline, if you will, uh, at this time of year is, is, Jesus is the reason for the season. And uh, it's really, it's really the truth, and it's, uh, it's, it's always been true. But it's, it's just important, more so now than ever, just to refocus on that and to recenter on that. Even as, as that reality tries to slowly get removed from our society, for those who are believers, especially, just to, to bring it back to the to the central theme and the central person and the central reason that we celebrate this amazing time of year, and that's the birth of our King Jesus. And uh, so we're just going to be talking a little bit about remembering what Jesus has done for us and really bringing it back to the reason that we celebrate Christmas in the first place. Because just like every day, if we put Jesus at the center, good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. So what happens when the body of Christ begins to, not just in theory, not just practice, but in our hearts, begin to use this time really to magnify the King of Kings, to bring back to remembrance, not just for ourselves, but to remind the nation, to remind the world, like, why we come together and why we celebrate, because a Savior was born into the world at this time, and his name is Jesus, and we get to celebrate Jesus. You know, even as I'm talking, I'm just feeling a grace for a reconciliation, and, uh, uh, Christmas is an amazing time for many of us, but it also can be a hard time for some of us. But as we talk, as we bring Jesus to the center, I believe reconciliation and restoration is going to be released even tonight as we talk and even as we end again in worship and celebrating him. I believe God's going to release some miracles in family members. Wow, what a great testimony Maddie shared at the end of worship. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to claim it. <laughs> and uh, uh, how many people just need a, a miracle of restoration, reconciliation, or salvation in your family? Just put your hand up. And Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you for just moving mightily in our extended family, Father. And as we bring you back corporately and we just worship you and adore you, give you preeminence in this season, God, we just pray that you would move mightily and wonderfully, God, through every family, every hand raised, every family represented with restoration, reconciliation, and salvations in Jesus' name. And we wait on the testimony. 
And everybody said, Amen. 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 If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm madly in love with Jesus. And, uh, and uh, our church, obviously, is madly in love with Jesus. And so uh, we love to worship him. And uh, we just are going to share some thoughts uh, about why Jesus, why it's so important to keep him at the center at this time. So Renee's going to kick us off with, with that. Yes. Uh, before I do, I have a testimony as well. Um, we, a few months ago, we were uh, walking towards our car in a parking lot outside of a gymnastics when we were just bringing our daughter home from gymnastics. And um, someone pulled up in a car in front of us in the parking lot. And this was in Buda. And they're like, Pastor, pa- is that you, Pastor Joaquin? And, and he's like, yeah, that's me. And so they pulled their truck right in front of us and got out. And they were like, well, can you pray for our daughter? They had... Um, a little girl who was probably about 10 to 15 days old, so brand new, fresh baby. And um, I'm like, can you pray for her? She has been diagnosed with a heart murmur and has holes in her heart. And so we, we just stopped in that moment and were able to pray with this family um, and pray over their daughter. And just yesterday, I just got a message back saying that a couple of weeks ago from her, her physician, she was cleared of her heart murmur. <laughs> And and just yesterday, her cardiologist said that holes just don't close up, and so they just they they don't happen, and so they took an echo, and the test came back, and all the holes in her heart had closed up. Come on! Come on! That's why we celebrate Jesus. Oh, we're just so overwhelmed that he would just use, like, you and I to perform the miraculous through us. Amen. Like, what a humbling, beautiful honor that we have as believers. Um, You know, one of the things that I think about the most in this season, this Christmas season, is is the outrageousness and the mystery that is Christ born fully man. And it's a time that I always tend to remember his humanity, um, that he was born of what was suspected to be a 14-year-old Mary. And, and just having given birth three times to children, I'm like, I know what that feels like. And that is a very real, very human experience. And um, I wonder things like, I wonder if Mary ever spanked Jesus. <laughs> You know, I know, I don't know. I wonder how long she was in labor for, you know? Like, I wonder, like, I wonder the gruesome details. I wonder the mundane details. I just wonder because it is so outrageous that a God would choose to limit himself to become man. And here's the thing. Here is the cool thing. He didn't choose to degrade himself to humans. He chose to raise humans up to his level. And that is the mystery and the beauty of the gospel. Amen. And so I love to think about this, like that an all-powerful God would choose to become human just so that he could relate to us in our humanness, so that he could know grief, that he could know sadness, and he could also know our joy and our victories. Amen. And so this to me is the, is the part in which Jesus, he becomes so real in how I can relate to him. He is my personal 
Savior. He is not just a Savior who sits in the skies and has never been through the things that I've been through. He's not just a Savior who has never been tempted, but He is so real in our every single day and in our every single life because He has been us. He has been us, but He has been us without compromise. He came as a sinless man and lived in a sin-filled world. He came the exact opposite of the world that he chose to enter into. And I love in 1 John, it's one of my favorite verses, in 1.14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. But the part that I just keep coming back to around this time of year is he dwelt among us. You know, we sing Emmanuel, which means God with us. And see, the beauty of it all is that he was with us, but now he is within us. He is the only God that can claim that. He is the one true God. He is our Jesus, who is our dispenser of grace. He is how we can be assured an eternal life with our Father. And He chose us. He chose you and He chose me. And the audaciousness that He would choose you even if you were the only person in the world. He knows you that intimately as if there was no one else that existed. He knows what you're going to eat for breakfast tomorrow. He knows what you ate for dinner last night. He knows everything about every single one of us. He knows us in our most victorious and glorious moments. And he knows us in our mess and our brokenness and loves us anyway. I just, the thought of, The thought of him dwelling among us, choosing to dwell among us and coming into this world. He could have chosen any way to come into this world, yet he chose that of a human birth. And it's because he can relate so intimately to every single part of your life, having walked in your footsteps. I think it's just... Such a beautiful thing to reflect on because sometimes I get caught up in the God all magnificent and powerful in the sky God that, you know, is powerful and mighty, but yet sometimes aloof and sometimes feels far away. He's not far away, but, you know, sometimes he can feel far away. Yet when we bring back the reality of his humanity as well as his godliness, it's such a, it's such a, stabilizing thought and such a comfort in which we can wrap our faith around. Amen. So I want to challenge you, even in this Christmas season, that he is the God who saves. He is the one and only way to the Father. But he is so intimately aware of your humanity. The good parts, the bad parts, and everything in between. And he loves you and cheers for you and champions you more than any person 
that you will ever know. And it's such an amazing thought that we get to base our faith around this, that we get to take comfort in a Savior. Amen. That was born in human flesh. I don't know. I have a lot of questions for God. I have a lot of questions for Mary. I'm like, did you yell at Jesus? I hope you did. I mean, selfishly, I hope you did. It'll make me feel better. (laughs) But I do wonder, I'm like, did he always know that he was God? Like, I don't know. Did he repeatedly bash his dinosaur against like a wooden table, even when you told him not to? And, you know, I just wonder these things. But I have a lot of questions. But I take a lot of comfort in it. (laughs) Did they have toy dinosaurs back then? I don't know. See, good question. Yeah. Anyways. That's at the forefront of my mind at Christmas time is not the dinosaurs, but the humanity of Christ. So, do you want to come on? So good, it's awesome. You know, we we celebrate the the whole life of of Jesus, obviously, and uh, how many people's lives have been changed by Jesus? All of us and. You know, Renee, the, the redemptive power of our of our God, He's so good. And you know, Renee was telling that story about the people, the, the the big truck, you know, big tires, and they stopped us in the parking lot. They pull up and right in front of us. And and uh, as she was telling that story, I was like, wow, a bunch of years ago, because I didn't I didn't grow up knowing Christ. I got born again, radically born again, in my early twenties. But there was a time of a a big truck comes to a skid right in front of me in a parking lot and yells out the window, it would have been for different reasons, you know? So I was like, thank you, Jesus. You changed, you changed my life. And, uh, but that's what he does, amen? He changes us, and we celebrate. Just ignore that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, as we, as we celebrate Jesus, his whole life, we, re- we recognize that with his birth, the pro- all the promises came into the world. His saving grace came into the world. His redemptive power came in the, into the world. His ability to change us came into the world. We know the promises came in. We also know that the promises were fulfilled with his death and resurrection. Yeah. And our, the ability for us to... Uh, embrace and to step into those promises came with the the death and resurrection, but that would have never been possible without his birth. And so we we are at this season where we celebrate the birth, the the coming of the promises that have changed all of us. And all that's available, uh, all the grace that's available to continue to change us. But just as there was there was his birth, and then there was a time between his birth and the death and the resurrection, which actually created a season of tension between the two. How many, how many places in the, in the scriptures do we read about the disciples not understanding what's happening? Because they're living in this moment of tension. When Jesus turns to the disciples and said, if you want to be followers of me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. How many people know they didn't get it? They're like, what are you talking about? 
And in fact, everybody left except for his, his closest crew. And Peter even said, listen, we don't understand. We're only not leaving because we have nowhere to go. We, we already burned all of our bridges. And we know that when you speak, there's life. So we don't understand, but we recognize that there's life available in your words. And of course, after the death and after the resurrection, how many people know they understood things then that they didn't understand in the middle of the tension? And we, in a similar way, we live in a different tension. We live after, after the cross, but before he comes again. We live in a season of the kingdom now and still to come. Yeah. Because he takes us from glory to more glory. So we have access to Jesus now. Amen. We have access to his promises now. Amen. We're seeing God do incredible things right now. Yeah. But how many people know there's still more to come? That he's always growing us. He's always forming us. He's always filling us until we become the full representation of Christ to the earth. So we're in a process. But we are celebrating the beginning of this process. The beginning of the journey starts with his birth. Yeah. He came and he was born, as Renee just beautifully talked about. He was born into the flesh as a baby in a manger. What a humble way to come. So, so unlike the people of the day, and especially the religious leaders of the time would have expected. They expected pomp and, and gold and celebrations, and they, they expected it to come like a king. Instead, he came like a baby in a manger. You can't get more humble than that. <laughs> and even as I was reading the story, the angels, as at his birth, the angels appear to shepherds in a field nearby. And they say, behold, we're coming with the message of glad tidings of good news. We're coming with a joy-filled message. But they don't, they don't come and knock on the, the door of the religious leaders. They came to shepherds. They're like, we've got good news. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mesh with our brains. Isn't God really good at going beyond what we think and what we imagine? Hey, if you've got good news, if you ask me, you should go to the rulers and the religious leaders and tell them. No, he goes to the shepherds in the field. And, you know, we're in a beautiful moment. I'm tying this in, but to what many of us see as beautiful, and, and obviously we at Bethel Austin are an extension of Bethel Church in Reading. And they've been in this, this profound moment of choosing to follow Jesus and chase after Jesus in Reading. And, and most of you in the room uh, are aware that some of some of the uh, the main uh, people in the worship community, uh, uh, Kelly and, and Andrew Halligenthal, it's a mouthful. But they had a two-year-old daughter who who recently died in her sleep, and uh, while the parents were gone, it's it, uh, no 
real reason. It was, it was, she was healthy, went to sleep, and didn't wake up. And, uh, and obviously the parents were very, very gripped and, and believing God. They, they asked the whole community to rally with them and pray for resurrection. How many people are glad that we live amongst a community where that's people's first response? And, uh, and they... <clears throat> And so they, got, and they gathered and they prayed and they went after it and they sent messages out far away and the whole community around the globe is praying and they were gathering for all night prayer uh, vigils and worship nights and just, just bombarding heaven and asking God to raise, to raise their daughter from the dead. And, uh, and days went on and this continued and, and she still at this point has not been raised from the dead. And and a, and a lot of you know social media for all of its good and its bad a lot of a lot of backlash of people not understanding. But we just talked about in this place of tension, it's normal for God to move in a way we don't understand. We'll understand later. How many people know that after the death and resurrection, after the Last Supper? that Peter understood Jesus' message about his body and his blood. A lot better. He's like, oh, I get it now. Back then, he didn't get it. And so we're in this place of, of tension, of, of pulling on the promise. But, there's, but we're, in this, we're in this gap between the promise coming and the fulfillment of the promise. But I sure am glad that we are part of a people that are pulling And, and the thing is, we have the ability to pull, not the promise, the promise has already been given. We have the ability to pull in the fulfillment. And what Peter didn't understand about the body and the blood, how many people know that communion happens every week in churches all over the world and every day in homes all over the world, it's as normal of a practice as you can get in Christendom. Amen. Communion. It's so accepted. It's so normal. Nobody thinks you're crazy for communion. But back when Jesus first spoke it, that felt kind of crazy. So listen, Jesus needs some people who are going to say, even when we don't understand, we've burnt all our bridges. We don't understand everything, but what I do know is that when you speak, there's life. And I don't know why every person that's prayed for doesn't, isn't raised from the dead. We've, we've seen some. So what does that tell me? It tells me the promise is real. But some haven't been raised. So what does that tell me? It tells me we're in the tension between the promise coming and the fulfillment. But we, as the bride, we actually have a role to play. That he's actually inviting us in to pull and to keep on pulling. That the, the, the fulfillment actually has to do with the bride stepping into her identity. And listen, in in. Whatever it takes, 10 years, 50 years, 100 years, 
It's going to, what seems unusual today is going to be normal then. <laughs> oh, people get raised from the dead every week in church. Listen, that day is coming. Do you believe it? And will you continue to pull and continue to believe in the season of tension? Until we're there. <laughs> you know, we're, we're believing that, we believe that there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. There was a season where, you know, the, it had to be the man of God that prayed for you. Before that, there was, there, most people didn't believe that God wanted to heal at all anymore. And then it became, well, it had to be the special anointed man or woman of God. But as we keep pulling, we keep growing, and now, now our children see more miracles than just about anybody. And the, guess what? That's becoming normal. Thank you, Jesus. I shared the other week, if you were here I was um, in the in, up, upstairs floor of our house. It look, overlooks the street, and I saw a lady um, hobbling by, severe, like, limp. She was ver- really struggling, and I was just moved. I was like, oh, I got to go. I really want to go pray for her, but I was, Renee was out, so I was watching all three kids, and and uh, so I had to gather all three. There's six, five, and, and two, and so I had to gather them all up to, to go out, and she had hobbled half half a block down or a block down by the time we got out there and and I told the kids what what we're doing there's a lady out there limping let's go pray for her so my son sees her down the street the the same the same one who was slap boxing up here earlier (laughs) God works in mysterious ways right and he actually tells us we need to become converted to become like children like but he takes off running down the street hey lady hey lady we need to pray for you. Like, kids just, they have no filter, right? You know, just no fear. He's running, hey, lady, excuse me. We need to pray for you. And she, she was so sweet. We got to pray for her. And I, and I think I shared this part. I don't remember if it was here or another setting. But she came back the next week to our house to tell us. And my son happened to be outside with me again to tell us that, oh, I forgot to tell you, she had crushed her ankle in an accident crushed it, and they had to put a metal uh, in, in a couple of places. She had metal rods in her ankle, big scar on the inside, and so she was rehabbing this ankle and lots of pain. She came back f- to find us to tell us that 50% of the pain was gone, and, uh, and, and specifically to ask us to pray again. So, And my five-year-old happened to be with me, so we prayed again. Well, just a couple of days ago, uh, I'm driving home, and she's on a walk in the neighborhood. So I pull over. I said, hey, how's it going? She's like, oh, I'm so glad I get to see you again. She says, I have no pain in my ankle. Well, and um, she's, she's still, uh, the mobility has increased. All the mobility hasn't come back yet, but there's zero pain, and she was in severe pain before. So, Things are normal today that weren't yesterday. And tomorrow, things are going to be normal. Tomorrow, that aren't yet normal today. But we're going to keep pulling. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. 
in, in Luke 24, if you got a Bible. This is, this is after the resurrection, and Jesus appears to his disciples and uh, begins a dialogue with them. And in Luke 24, uh, verse 46, I love, just segue, I love that God is, when God shows up, he's always having to tell people not to be afraid. <laughs> Why? Because the nature of God breaks our boxes. And in verse 46 of Luke 24, then Jesus, he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and here it is, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are un, until you are endued with power from on high verse 49 again behold i send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high that jesus sent the promise but there were still a tarrying required a waiting a pulling required but he didn't say pool until the promise comes. Why? Because the promise was already given. The promise was given, he said, pool until you're endued with power. Why? Because in the endowment of power comes the ability to fulfill the promise. I'm about to preach myself happy. Come on. <clears throat> And then doing of power is the, is the fulfillment of the promise. You know, in, Jew, in Jewish culture of Jesus' day, somebody wasn't considered actually fully dead until after three days. And Heidi Baker still today in Africa and all the resurrections they've seen, if someone hasn't been dead three days, they just consider it a healing. Blowing my boxes, right? Listen, they only call it a resurrection if it's happened after three days. Where'd they get that? In Jewish tradition. They were only dead. They were only considered fully dead if it had been three days. Why did Jesus tarry when Lazarus died? Because he wanted to demonstrate the power of God, not just a healing, but a resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. That, that, we are, that we are part of the fulfillment of the promise. Thank you, Jesus. And huh, we're about to do something fun. I at least hope it's fun. That the promise, when Jesus was born, a great light came into the world. Amen? In Isaiah 9-2, the people who walked in darkness, this is, this is a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now light is shining on them. 
John 1, 5 through 9. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness never put it out. God sent his messenger, a man named John, who came to tell people about the light so that all should hear the message and believe. He himself was not the light. He came to tell about the light. This was the real light, the light that comes into the world and shines on all people. Thank you, Jesus. The light shines in the darkness. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in John 8. I am the light of the world, he said. Whoever follows me will have the light of life and will never walk in darkness. And then Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that you are the light of the world. Speaking to who? To us. His sons and daughters, his brothers and sisters, his followers, his disciples, you are the light of the world. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel, but lift it high so that all men can see and be drawn to his light. And we're going to worship with one more song. And I feel like the anthem song of this season has been Waymaker. It's just beautiful. It's powerful. And it's a declaration. And uh, we're going we're gonna sing to this, sing this song, but we're going to do something something fun as we do. So ushers, if you can come, they're going to hand out they're going to hand out, don't start to just say it. They're going to hand out some um, candles, some LEDs. And we're going, the light comes into the darkness. But listen, Jesus, the promise came into the world. But we have an assignment, and that's to pull on the promise until the, f- the full fulfillment comes. Amen. Does anyone want to pull on the promise with us? That Jesus was the light, but when we say yes to Jesus, he also fills us with his light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life and will never walk in darkness. Go ahead. You can begin to pass those, pass those out. Uh, yeah. Just due to the numbers, um, if you could take one per couple, that would be great. And so we're going to do something. If you can go ahead and stand, keep passing those, just quickly take one. And we're going to invite the light to come into the darkness. This song, the anthem chorus of the song, is the way maker, miracle worker, Promise keep, oh, sorry, don't turn them on yet, sorry. Keep them off. Promise keeper, he's the light in the darkness. And so we're going to sing this song, but it's going to get increasingly dark in here as we sing it. But then Jesus is going to come, and he's going to light the light in his bride. So we go ahead and cue that song up. You can, yeah, you just stand. We're just going to worship together.
this is a house that loves to worship. So let's worship Jesus. Let's lift him up as the center of this season, the center of this holiday, the center of why we come together, why we gather as a church family, why we gather in homes, Christmas, to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the light coming into the world. Come on, let's worship Jesus tonight. Let's turn it up even a little bit more.
flick off your lights oh, now. You got, you got excited. His name is above depression. His name. Listen. His name is above. We're here to celebrate. You can fade that out. We're here to celebrate Jesus. The promise that has come into the world. The light in the darkness. Go ahead. Christ at the center. And this, this holiday, it's not just a holiday. It's a time to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Christ. Can I have the trees? As we gather... As we gather with families, we gather with friends, even as we're here as a church gathering for this Christmas season, let's keep Christ at the center because he's the original light. When we come together as family, let's keep Jesus at the center and let's worship him. And he calls you who are part of the fulfillment, taking it from the promise to the fulfillment. He calls you the light of the world. Can have the front row light your light. And as soon as the person in front of you lights theirs, you can light yours behind them. And the next row, and the next row, and the next row, and the next row. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's be a church that pulls on the promise until his light lights up the whole world. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Let's praise Jesus in here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. 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 Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and have the house, the stage lights back up. And Renee's going to close this service for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You know, every single person who has breath in their lungs is a recipient of the grace of God. Whether you believe in God, whether you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, if you are in this room, if you are alive, if you are breathing, then you are a recipient of God's grace. And every single moment that you are in this world, on this earth, you are here because it was God's will that you are here. It is by His grace that you are here. And it is by His grace that we are saved. To give our lives to Jesus, I promise you, is the greatest thing that you could ever do. But see, we can't just take him as our Savior without him being our Lord. 
And sometimes I've heard it preached that you can compartmentalize the two. That you can accept him as your savior and then later on you can accept his lordship. There is no savior without a lord. He was a lord before he was a savior. And so it's one thing to accept Christ as your savior, but it's a completely different thing to live your life as though he is lord in your life. It's more encompassing. It requires more of you. I mean, worst case scenario, we get to go to heaven. Worst case scenario. Best case scenario, we get to go to heaven, but we also get to bring heaven to earth. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I have family that don't know Jesus yet. And I am determined to continue to paint a target on their head in prayer until they have an encounter with Jesus. And so I feel corporately that we're to go after this tonight. But I also feel like if there's anyone in the room and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I tell you that it is the greatest decision that you will ever make? Because whether you acknowledge it or not, you are walking in the grace of God. We're going to pray. But I want to encourage those. I heard a preacher a long time ago say, with every head raised and every eye open, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we would love to pray with you. We would love to lead you and introduce you to the one who has saved us all. To the one whose very grace holds us together, sustains our life. And it'll be the greatest decision that you ever make. And you will have a company of people who will be rejoicing and celebrating with you as you make this decision. The greatest gift is the gift of salvation. And the greatest thing to know is that of peace. And so my question of you tonight is, do you know peace? Do you know the Prince of Peace? And does he live inside of you? Because it'll change your life to live with an assurance that he's not only your Lord, but that you are his. That you are his kid. That you are his child. So if you want to receive Jesus, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. And we would love for some people to come and pray with you. But if you have family members who don't know Jesus, then I think this is a great time to storm heaven. I don't know about you, but I am praying and believing that the only gift that is worth anything would be that they receive salvation. Amen? Amen. I have someone in my family who doesn't know the Lord yet. Very logical thinker. And I say this to him. I'm like, you know, if you live your days not believing in Jesus or accepting Jesus and you get to the end and it was all false, 
What have you missed out on? But if you get to the end of your life and it's true, you can say you've lived your life as a good Christian if it's not true, living with morals and character and passion and love. Or you can get to the end of your life and say, I lived it however I wanted. But if it is true, it is of vital importance. And we believe it is. And it's not just for you, but it is the beauty of generations to come unto you. You get to dig this well, this faith well within you that not only you drink from, but that your kids will drink from and that your kids' kids will drink from. It's the legacy in which you get to live them that will far outlast your earthly bodies. I don't know about you, but I want to give my kids something. I want to give my grandkids something. I don't want to just give them something temporal that's going to fade away like money. I want to give them a spiritual inheritance, something that's going to last, something that's going to grow, something that is going to have eternal significance. So if you have someone in your family, if you have a friend and they don't know Jesus yet, then I want us to storm heaven tonight right now. I want us to take some time during this holiday season to press in and ask that God would encounter our families, ask that he would encounter our friends and give them the gift that is eternal this season. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's just start praying. No polite prayers here. I want us to get rowdy. I want us to get loud. I want us to get so loud that we shake the gates of hell. Amen. That we see more people enter into salvation this holiday season than we've ever seen before. Like this is a matter of life and death. Come on. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we ask that you would just come in our midst, that you would come in our midst, Lord, that you would touch hearts, that you would touch souls, Lord, that as we gather, that you would give us a boldness, Father, that we would be able to speak your words and speak your truth, that we could go out and pray for people, Father, and that your spirit would fall upon them and that they would know you, Jesus. We thank you for your grace this holiday season. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we are so thankful for you, Jesus. We are so thankful for your life and for the gift of salvation, Father. And we just, right now, we just hold up the people who don't know you, Father. We hold them up, God, and we say, go and get them, God. Go and get them, God. Go and get them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good. You are so good, God.
God, I never want to be able to speak of your goodness. Like it's just something that I take for granted. I don't want to speak of your birth and your resurrection like it's a story in a good storybook, God. God, I want to know you intimately, Jesus. I want my family to know you intimately, Jesus. I want your spirit to flow and pour out on all flesh, God. All flesh, Lord. And I ask that you would just light our hearts on fire, God. Set within us a fire that people will see, God. And they will see the goodness and they will turn to you, God. They will turn to you, God. God, I want to be consumed. I want to be consumed with the gospel. It is the gospel that saves. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We've spoken so many times about healing miracles that we have seen just even in the last couple of years since we've been a church. He is so good. He is so good. If you need a healing miracle in your body, if you are contending for salvation for someone that you know, then you can come up to the front and we have people who would love to pray with you. And if you want to receive Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord, then we would love to pray for you. You can head over to this side of the stage and we have Bibles that we want to give to you. I love the saying that it says, wherever you go, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Can I encourage you to go and be the light in your families? Can I encourage you to be bold even, to ask if people need prayer, even if it's scary? Sometimes family is the hardest people that we can um, approach about the things of God. But I just pray a blessing and a grace upon you that you would have conversations that cause people to think, that cause them to question, that ushers in the presence of God. You are the perfect person to share the gospel with your family. The perfect person. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.